Deltarune. Easy on the wallet, but is it worth your time? We topple a house of cards and once again get filled with determination in order to find out here on Broke and Gaming. Welcome absolutely everyone to Broke and Gaming. I'm your internationally downloaded host, Shay. And I'm your criminally under-listened to host, Dan. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, Dan, what have you been playing since last we were... Since... Fuck. So, <laughs> I, since we last recorded, played all of Spider-Man Miles Morales, because it was on sale. And nice. I put it off for a really long time. It was part of the summer sale that's going on currently. For, I think it was like $30, $35, so about half price. And I liked it, but... I have. I was gonna say there sounds like there's some hesitation in your voice there. Yeah, so it's it doesn't feel as complete of a game as the first Spider-Man. It's it's a lot shorter. There's no planned DLC for it whatsoever, which is fine. Not every game needs it, and I don't know that the DLC for Spider-Man added that much, in my opinion. But it just seemed very short. They kind of, I think. They put maybe too much in the first Spider-Man, and then there was too little left for Miles Morales. That's that's my thought on the matter. Plus, sure. with just the weirdness of licensing uh, when it comes to stuff between Sony and Disney Marvel. Like, they couldn't put a whole lot of extra stuff into it. Back before oh. uh, Disney purchased Marvel, games would constantly feature, like, just other characters at random. There's that really bad, I think it's Web of Shadows, maybe? Oh like, my god, yes. Wolverine is a central component <laughs> of the whole game. Yeah. And that was like right after the purchase, I think. So they still had like that stuff in development and they weren't going to cut the stuff for it. But yeah, it's it's weird. Like the Sanctum Sanctorum is in the city and there's like little references here and there to other Marvel properties, but it's not you don't see it. And it, it's weird because the whole game takes place in New York which is where right. most of Marvel takes place yep. to not like come across anybody at any point in time. So yep. there, there were things that I was disappointed about, but it's still so much fun, like just swinging around an almost one-to-one -one Manhattan. Like traversal is one of the coolest things about that game, but mm -hmm. yeah, definitely not something we're going to do for the podcast because it'll never be <laughs> at the price we're going to want to <laughs> cover it sure. for. So just regular old Dan's opinion. It's a it's a solid seven out of ten without an actual rating scale. Nice. Yeah. What have you been playing? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I have not played anything. I don't think. I'm trying to think, actually. I I gotta have something. Well, um, there is a question I wanted to ask you. If you'd seen anything regarding the Suicide Squad game that's coming out. Oh, no, I haven't. I did not know that that existed, to be Can honest Can I tell you a little you? bit about it? Oh, fire from the hip, Dan. Sure. So it's being done by Rocksteady Studios. Okay. Who made the really, really good Arkham games. The mm -hmm. one Arkham game that wasn't that great wasn't done by them, so it's not their fault. Like, they did Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight, which Arkham Knight fell off a little bit, but it wasn't Arkham Origins, which was trash. Those three are good to great games. Uh, so it's being done by that studio in a similar sort of play style as well. Okay. And so from what I can tell from the trailers thus far, the premise is that Harley, Captain Boomerang, Killshot, and King Shark are <laughs> trying to kill the Justice League because they're Dude. all under the control of Brainiac. And man, I am into this. Like, <laughs> one of the coolest things that they've talked about is, and uh, for anybody who's seen the most recent uh, Suicide Squad movie, there's permadeath. So you can play with these four characters, but if one dies, they're gone for the rest of the game. Oh, oh boy, howdy. Right? That is such a novel concept. I'm, I'm so into this. Yeah. Huh. I yep. still don't know where I land on permadeath. It makes more sense, but... I don't know. I want to see how it's utilized for the purposes of this game. Oh, sure. Yeah. But like, 
I don't know. I've always felt Captain Boomerang was expendable, so I'm not super bummed <laughs> out if he dies. You know. <laughs> also, King Shark is voiced by a professional wrestler, and that is all the more I'll say on the matter. I have to now mention, shout out to Kelsey, by the way. Stop. Beca- <laughs> Stop. Kelsey messaged Stop. me that she loves Stop. that there's someone in your Stop. life that loves professional wrestling. And that's, that's it. That's all. That's all. We're done. That's all. Okay. We're not gonna right. we're not gonna revisit that anymore. But you know what we are gonna revisit, Shay? Uh suplexing police officers? Yes, please. But no. <laughs> we're revisiting the work of one Mr. Toby Fox with this week's game, Shay. So we will start, as we always start, with our short change history for Delta Rune Chapter One. Deltarune Chapter 1 is a 2018 RPG game developed and released independently by Toby Fox, creator of Undertale. Deltarune was inspired by a dream Fox had in 2011, wherein he saw the ending of a video game that did not yet exist. Wanting to make that dream a reality, he started development in 2012, but quickly abandoned it before he even created the first room. After the Kickstarter success of Undertale, Fox decided to resurrect the project, ultimately landing on the idea of combining his original concept with elements from Undertale. Deltarune Chapter 1 is currently available for free for PC, Mac, PlayStation, and Xbox. However, the subsequent chapters will be available for actual purchase. Is there any word on when those subsequent chapters are coming out? That's something I was I'm gonna get into at some point because in our original episode about Undertale, I kind of talked about how having this fan base be as bananas as it as it is <laughs> had kind of affected him, and uh-huh. that stuff all carried over into the Delta Rune project. There's a an actual like frequently asked questions thing on the website for Delta Rune, and you can see how frustrated he is with some of the questions, mm-hmm. but. I'll I'll go into greater detail in a little bit when we talk about how these two games kind of tie together. But to start the discussion itself for Deltarune, do you wanna do you wanna tell the listeners what it's about? Sure. In Deltarune, you play as the protagonist Chris, who, while getting chalk for his teacher at school, falls into what's known as the dark world with the school bully Susie. He and some weird little dark prince dude named uh, Rizel. Uh, Ralsey is how I was pronouncing it, but I I don't know for sure. Oh. Well, some weird little dark prince with an R... Some weird little dark prince with a name that starts with an R must work their way through the dark world in order to get uh, Chris and Susie to the dark... The dark fountain. Fountain, right. Yep, that's it. Uh, In order to get Chris and Susie home. Right on. So right off the bat, you hit on something that I did want to talk about. So Chris is, I think, canonically non-gendered, which I think is really Mm -hmm. cool. Like, they're very nondescript. It could be either, you know, from the player's perspective, male or female, kind of how you choose to play it, which I think is really cool. They sort of did the same thing in Undertale, but with, you know, this being a gender-neutral name and it being, like, a canonically named character they still went that route, which I think is so, so cool. Yeah. But yeah, so this is a much more traditional style RPG or or has more traditional RPG elements than, than Undertale had, but there's a lot of little crossover as far as the actual battle system is concerned because it still has that little, like, bullet hell mechanic almost. Yeah. Which I liked that being carried over. How do you think it it functioned? Like, as, you know, playing this for the first time, how did you feel about the way the battle system was set up? I actually had way more fun playing Deltarune than I did playing Undertale. Like, I see, I'm kind of, I don't know. I feel like Undertale would have been more fun for me if I had gotten it on PC uh, rather than PlayStation. I don't know why. I feel like closer (laughs) to PC games and more in control over them. So like okay. that that bullet hell hitbox thing was fucking awful on the PlayStation for me, and so I would get frustrated and rage quit constantly. All right, that's fair. Uh, but Deltarune was a lot more fun. So yeah, it's also I I think they're a little bit easier throughout Deltarune, like not not watered oh, down, absolutely. 
but like for sure it's less random yeah because even with with both games different enemy types will have different attack types uh and it's kind of mm-hmm. you know fly by the seat of your pants and and just react as quickly as you can in both games but i think it's a little bit easier to see it coming because of the way the rest of the the battle system is structured in Deltarune. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who hasn't played the game, the way it works is it looks more like a traditional RPG in in the vein of like the older Final Fantasies or or something like that, where you have one set of characters on one side of the screen, one set of characters on the other side of the screen. At the start of your turn, you kind of choose what actions your player, your party is going to do, and you all go through your attacks or mercy things or uh, magic or what have you. And then, similar to how Undertale works, their attacks take the form of this little square with a heart in it, and you have to maneuver the heart around inside the square in order to avoid like actual attacks coming at you. Hit points are randomly assigned if you do get touched within that hitbox to one of your three party members throughout, which it's really unlike anything else. Like, blending these two styles i think works crazy well Mm -hmm. very innovative very fun they did include a major element for undertale which is you don't have to kill anything throughout your playthrough it seems to have less of an effect in this than it does in undertale where there's like three completely separate endings there is only one canonical ending to deltarune because with these games having to link up, uh, I think Toby has planned for four chapters in total. They have to link up. So if you do something drastically different than another player, that starting point is such a wide variable that it has to be one-to-one throughout. Mm-hmm. Right. So you did the no-kill run, right? I did. I atoned for my senseless murder of Toriel in Undertale <laughs> by not killing anything <laughs> in this All game. Right. Good, good, good. So, how did you find that as as a player? Like, how how did you feel it it was implemented? I thought it was really simple. I thought I actually thought it was really fun that one of your party members for most of the game is actively working against that goal. Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment. Just kind of the characterization of Susie in general, the school bully. I love, I love this. Yeah. So when Susie comes in to the dark world, she's like a an aggressive asshole. For a little while, she's just kind of off in the distance. Then she joins your party, and uh, like her thing is that she, like you can't control her for a good portion of the game. She just attacks the first thing she sees. Basically, yep. I think is how creepy little dark prince with the name that starts with R describes it. Um, so <laughs> let's just call him Reginald. We're just going to call him Reginald just sure. for the sake of this for right now. <laughs> it's Roby rocks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so there's a mechanic for most of the game where you're, you have to take, if you're trying not to kill anyone, you have to take your first turn to warn your enemies that Susie's going to be attacking so that they can dodge yep. out of the way. And then after that, you can go about whatever mercy conditions you need to meet before leaving the fight, but I thought, I thought it was, it was, she was such a f- fucking strong character for, for this kind of a game. Like S- Susie. Yeah. Yeah. The, the arc a, in such, in a, such a simple arc. package. Yep. Yeah, man. Exactly. This is what I love about Toby Fox's writing. Cause in, I don't know. What was your total play time? Like four hours, give or take. Uh, I would have to look. It was less than that. Okay. I think I finished the game in about two. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So in, in that amount of time in an interactive medium to give a full story arc of any character, much less a side character, Mm -hmm. uh, is really, really impressive to me. And it, it has me really curious to see where this series is going to go uh, in terms right. of not just Susie, but just all the different characters that, that you're introduced to. Lancer as well. Like, I want to see where the story takes Lancer. 
Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up Lancer because, it, you know, in addition to Susie's arc being really fucking good, like, he did such a good job of, like, tying Lancer into it. Like, it's it's kind of a uh, cooperative arc where they're kind of developing exclusively together. But he did a very good job of developing them both at the same pace. Yeah. I, I just thought it was that, like, their relationship was so tight, but they were also super well done as individual characters as well. Right. Um, what What's kind of nice is that arc remains intact whether or not you're doing like a regular kill the enemies and continue to go. And actually, I should note, nobody dies even even if you do attack them. They just bolt. Hmm. Like you see them run off screen. Oh, gotcha. Which okay. is kind of neat. It's just the attitude that they have towards you at, at the end of the, the final fight in this is different. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with the Mercy run that you did, that ended with like everybody in the dark world that you'd come across kind of treating you as a hero, right? Yeah. After you did take down um, through clever trickery, <laughs> <laughs> the king, they come to your defense yep. and they, they help you defeat him. Wherein if you do attack everything the whole time, which I did for my second playthrough just to see what kind of differences there would be and how stark the ending would differ. Sure. Um, really all that happens is uh, Lancer still comes to your aid at the last second and is like, all right, you guys need to get the fuck out of here. The townspeople are not super stoked at the moment. <laughs> I love you all. Bye. Basically. Yeah. So yeah. Lancer's feelings toward you do not change regardless of how you treat everybody else in the dark world, which I, I like because that means carrying forward the depiction of Lancer doesn't need to change based on your your actions, which is really cool. Like to make that mm-hmm. remain a static thing, it means that they'll be bringing that character back almost no matter what, mm-hmm. which I'm excited for. But I mean, overall, this is this is a pretty short game. It's almost a beta test, which is why it's free. But like... I don't know. I think I think it accomplishes a ton of world building, story building, character development, like more than you would expect from what is more or less a trailer for a game. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Are there any other like specific notes you want to talk about in regards to gameplay? Because I, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into a little bit how these things tie together. Uh, no, I think we can go right into that. OK, so in this frequently asked questions portion of the Deltarune website. Toby has gone on record to say that this is in no way a sequel to Undertale. It, mm-hmm. It's not even really a shared world with the exception of probably one character. Everything yeah. else is it, it's like a parallel universe. There are a lot of characters that are in both Undertale and Deltarune. Toriel, who is the de facto mom figure in Undertale, is legitimately your mom in this one. I, mm-hmm. I presume adopted, but I'm not totally positive. Asgore, who is the king in, in Undertale, is your dad. Asriel, who is their child in Undertale, is your brother. Um, and then a bunch of the other side characters like Undyne or Dr. Alphys all appear in this in some way, shape, or form. And then just random characters you come across, like the burger guy and... Like, a bunch of your classmates are different villain types, or enemy types, rather, in in Undertale. Like, there's so much crossover just as far as characters, but it doesn't seem to affect what's happening. Because once you're in the meat of the actual game, nobody else appears. Once you enter that dark world, there is no crossover. It's only in in this outside real world. And I mentioned that there might be one character that is canonically the same, but that's just <laughs> based on what that character is capable of. And that's Sans. Yeah. Uh, Sans appears at the very end of the game. He just opened a grocery store, apparently, uh, <laughs> which is great. He, he says some weird cryptic stuff um, about, you know, not knowing you and you really shouldn't talk to strangers and then immediately becomes your friend anyway. <laughs> right. And there's just like these little, little tastes of like, he knows more than what he's letting on, which is one of the things that Sans did in Undertale. So I'm not positive that it's the same, but being that Sans kind of exists outside of 
seemingly time and space in Undertale, I wouldn't be shocked if somehow he relates it directly. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? So I quit Undertale before like a lot of Sans was in it. Yeah. From what I've gathered, though, he is kind of like this uh, outside force right. for these video games. More like a company mascot that kind of pops up and knows what's going on. Or I guess, I think we talked about it in Undertale, maybe like a representation of Toby Fox right? Um, in the game. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's the same Sans, but I don't know. One of the biggest hints at this, as far as Undertale is concerned, is the way that Toby Fox programmed it, the game knows what you've done previously. So if you restart or even delete a file that information is still saved somewhere. And the only character that actively <laughs> lets you know that that's a thing is Sans. So if you do a death run in Undertale and then you start over and you do a like a Mercy run, he will reference specifically that he knows what you're capable of. If you do like a half and half run, same thing. It's like, all right, well... You've done worse. You could have done better. You have previously, like that kind of thing. Not in those yeah. specific words, but like the the intricate, specific programming that went into this is all filtered through Sans as as right. being this all knowing being, which is very, very interesting. And I I kind of wonder to what extent he'll be utilized like that in the the upcoming chapters of Delta Room. But we'll have to wait and see. As far as the development, he's Toby has a bigger team this time around. Yeah. There are more artists that are helping him out with assets and things like that. Uh, Temi, who helped him with the first game, is working on this with him hand in hand as well. So he's not completely alone, but he is taking his time with them, uh, especially if it's something he's going to sell as opposed to just give out for free. Right, right. He wants to make sure that it, it lives up to all this hype he's unfortunately built around him. Well, not himself. The hype <laughs> right, that right, the, yeah. the community has built around him. So they've moved the goalpost a couple of times now, but I think originally we were looking at maybe this fall, although he, he hasn't come out and said that in a while. So it may be next okay. year at this point. I'm not really sure. But I do think that the the following installments will all come a lot quicker because they already have this groundwork built like for the full game once once chapter two is released. So I think the biggest waiting period is between one and two. Gotcha. Are these subsequent chapters, are they supposed to be like full games or are they like the, um, like the telltale games where they would have like, you know, they, they are like full arcs. Um, but yeah. They're shorter games. From, from what he has said in what little he has said, it's going to be much more fleshed out. It's going to be a longer campaign. It's also why sure. it's taking as long as it is. Gotcha. But that's also why he was comfortable releasing this for free because it's, you know, between two and four hours, depending on how much dialogue you want to read, how much exploring you want to do. Because there's there's one thing that I still haven't done, which has to do with uh, those pieces of the key that you get. Oh, yeah. In both of my playthroughs, I, I did not do that part. But that motherfucker's hard. <laughs> yeah. The one you get from the shopkeeper, but like there's a specific thing you have to do which i haven't totally figured out and like i said i don't love doing walkthroughs that much but if i if i end up doing it a third time i'll, I'll have to remember that but yeah i think we can go right into our pros and cons list though that sounds good we can do that we're in the list dan look out <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll start off because i think we probably have differing opinions on this sure i love the art style i still love the art style yep. I know, I know. And this will this will come out and does it look good as well. But I like the amount of detail Toby and the other artists for this can get out of pixelation. Like there's so much little thing, so many little things here and there that like for games of the era that it's trying to emulate wouldn't have put in and mm -hmm. they somehow accomplish it. And I, I really appreciate that. In addition to that, the music again is killer. Mm -hmm. Toby has shown that he is a great composer when it comes to this this MIDI style. The whole soundtrack for 
Undertale slaps, and this absolutely does as well for me. A con, and I don't even really want to call it a con, is just the length of the game. But it's a free game, so who am I to complain? Sure. That's that's really the biggest drawback here. I think everything else is masterfully done. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, it's not a full pro for me, but I do kind of agree with you. I like the art style a lot better in Deltarune than I did in Undertale. Oh, wow. Just, like, fucking... There's like fucking colors. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's the characters. That's fair. The characters have some fucking detail on them. Yeah. Like Undertale was just this kind of like gray, bland palette, and I mean, at least as far as what I saw. But like you know, Susie and all three of the main characters actually have a different like dominant color. Yeah. And like that, the town that you're in at the end of the game is uh, like very very rich. Yep. Uh, so, I, I, you know what? I've talked myself full full pro on that one. Oh, nice. I'm I'm really not, happy not to hear that. Pro. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple things in Undertale where there's a lot more detailing. Snowden is is a big one. The yep. the one like major town that exists. Like there's little things here and there, but overall, yeah, a lot of the the areas in Undertale are a little bit more desolate. So that's a, a totally fair assessment. What I liked about the way the town was is it's very reminiscent of Earthbound, which Toby's gone yeah. on record to say a ton of times that yep. that was a big inspiration for him. So, you know, especially for that era, the amount of detailing they put into some of the areas in, in Earthbound. There were some restrictions, obviously, just for the time and, sure. and yeah. amount of memory you could put into something. But yeah, it, it has that same feel. So yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. I'm happy to say that because I have been well documented to be a fucking hater of that art style. Yeah. I cannot, I can't stand it. I don't know why I can't stand it, but this, I mean, it might be the exception to the rule for me. Well, I like that there's a threshold. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's what I dig. Like if it's pixelated, as long as it has a certain charm or a level of detail you're in. You know what I think annoyed me about Undertale that doesn't annoy me about Deltarune? What's that? Is that like, Deltarune looks like like a game that's paying homage to those older old those old games. You know what I mean? And Undertale okay. just looks yeah, like yeah, an yeah. old game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, both of them are made in the fucking 21st century and like we all know that. So like why are you trying to make it look like it's 1984? That that I think that might be what drives me fucking crazy about games in that art style. That's totally fair. I appreciate that. Because you're you're right. It is it does seem like with some of the games. Look at Super Blood Hockey, where like that's all that that guy makes is just stuff that's supposed to pay homage, but like sometimes it just comes off as a little bit lazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I actually don't I don't know that I have a con for this game. I I wish I think I maybe wish that there was a little bit more for the protagonist as far as like character development. But I mean, they're like, a, I think they're a silent protagonist. They are. And it's, it's the neutral mask thing again, yeah. where you're putting yourself into that. And that, that comes with, you know, it being a non-gendered character as well. Like you, you it's supposed to be you, which is weird, especially the way that it starts, like with that whole thing of like building a character and giving it traits yeah. and whatever, yeah. and then they just go. And then it says "fuck you." Oh God, <laughs> I love that moment so much. Of just like yeah. there are no choices in this world, and just right gives you a pre-made character, and then makes a whole fucking game about choosing whether or not to kill people. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, huge, huge pro for me. I love the humor in this game. Yes, a lot more than I liked the fucking dialogue in Undertale. Like. In Undertale, it was a fucking drag to get through conversations. Deltarune was was like way easier, way more fun because there was I don't know, I feel like the characters are better in Deltarune. And it might be because there's like way fewer of them, but but I like the characters in Deltarune and the dialogue way better in Deltarune um, than in Undertale. Okay. I'm going to chalk part chalk part of that up to just not having experienced certain characters there there's a lot of 
Sans does a lot of the heavy lifting in, the, in what you've done so far. Mm-hmm. But Papyrus gets more fleshed out. Undyne definitely gets more fleshed out. Dr. Alphys is a fucking treat. Although I know you would hate Dr. Alphys because <laughs> there's a there's a point in the game where you're trying to do like a jumping puzzle type thing. And Dr. Ah. Alphys just keeps calling you over and over on your cell phone to talk about fan fiction and this oh anime that God. they like. Yeah. It, and it's done for the sake of comedy, but also it, it's it's a lot. And this doesn't have that. Like, yeah. all of your interactions are are pretty meaningful. Even just the, the one-off conversations you have with people. And, and you might actually be right. The fact that it is, you know, a smaller cast in total can allow for that. Like, more special attention to each person you come across. But, like, that three-headed cat club thing, like... The dialogue <laughs> with that is super fun. <laughs> the the Smithy type dude that that oh, yeah. when he fixes something, it makes a like a plastic squeaky hammer sound is yeah. delightful. <laughs> yeah. But especially every instance with Lancer, like that whole arc and all of his dialogue is so well written and wonderful. A hundred percent. Yeah, I I agree. There are parts that drag in Undertale, and I don't yes. feel that that's the case in Deltarune. It's, it's any time you talk to a dog, Well, sure. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> and there are several. Yep. Um, well, if you don't have anything else, and I'm, I'm actually really pleased to hear that this might be the first one you've had without a con, we can get right into the rating system. Let's fucking do it. We're inside, Dan. We're Ooh, inside, so inside the it. rating system. <laughs> just like the call inside the house <laughs> all right <laughs> does it work yes controls beautifully it's you know relatively simplistic but i've played it now for both playstation and for pc and both control just fine anything else was my ineptabilities at using qwerty layouts at all <laughs> My my arrow structure on my key uh, on my laptop is not great, so any damage I took was more my fault than the game's fault. If you say so, <laughs> I'm gonna give it a point here. Also, I think it works really really well. Uh, the heart does move a little bit slow for my taste, but I think that's kind of part of the part of the game. Yeah, like I think it's supposed to. You know, it's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be passable, but you still gotta do your part. Yep. So yeah. Point for me there. Is it engaging? Uh, very much so, especially for as mm-hmm. simplistic of a package as it is. I think right. they did a lot of work to make you care about what was happening, care about finding Susie when she splits off. And it's it's a pretty cut and dry premise as a whole, like on paper, to just be in a place you don't know how you got there and just trying to escape is, you know, that's one of the oldest type of stories in the book. I mean, we've fucking covered one of them in uh, that fucking gross abomination as Divine Hearts. That's basically the same story. Yeah, pretty Uh, much. This one, (laughs) this one's way better because I fucking like the characters. Right. And that and just the inventiveness of how this battle system works. I think that's full point on my part. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yep. Uh, Does it look good? Um, We got into it in the pros and cons, and I'm going to give it a full point here just for the amount of detailing in a pixelated format. Yeah, it does look good. It does. I mean, I, you know, I talked about it before. It looks good because it's, you know, it's paying homage to do those old games rather than just being an old game. Yeah. So point for me. Absolutely. Is there replayability? Yes, but I think I'm going to give it a half point here because you're your options don't matter as much. It, it's it's not as rewarding to go through it another time other than to experience the story. So I can't give it both a full point for story and for replayability. So I'm going to go with a half point for this one. I'm actually not going to give it a point here. Okay. Just because like the entire buildup basically of the game is that there's a sequel. So I think like the entire premise then of the game is to kind of play it once and then move on. That's fair. 
that that and the fact that there's not really like collectible i mean there's like one kind of hidden quest kind of a thing but it's a very like kind of linear map layout like there's not a whole lot to go back and do right so i'm not i'm not going to give it a point here okay is there a story dan full point here like i just said and we've kind of talked almost ad nauseum at this point about how good the writing actually is um which is i think one of toby's strongest suits so yeah full point yep it's fucking tight story too i mean you know like you said it's a bit generic but it's really like the how well those characters are written right how like how much i fucking care about these these pixelated motherfuckers um so full point for me yeah plus just the the detailing of when you finish the game like all of this the seeds they're sowing between you know the divorced parents stuff and the stuff with noelle and her father and like all of these other little things that will have a payoff presumably sometime down the line like i like all the foreshadowing that was done from a storytelling perspective yep and then normally we ask is it worth the cost? But this is a free game. So what I think we should do here, being that this is going to be a series, I want to almost predictively assign some points for would you pay for a sequel? Is that fair? Sure. So I can't imagine this will be any more than 15 to $20, like a true, true indie game. Mm-hmm. And Toby's made most of his money off of merchandising anyway. So... If that's theoretically correct, on a scale of one to five, how worth it do you think the rest of these games will be? Oh, five. Easy. Beautiful. I'm thinking the same thing. Easy peasy. Yeah. I, you know what? You know what's actually like a really good sign for me um, is that he has a number of sequels or a number of chapters already in mind. Yes. Which means that he's got that story mapped out. He knows what he wants to do and, you know... If we know anything about this guy, he's gonna make he's gonna make the game that he fucking wants. Yep. Yeah. A hundred percent. He's not gonna cave to demand, and I I dig that. Yeah. Well, then that's a <laughs> nine point five from me, a nine from Shay, and look, people, this is an entirely free game. It is always going to be a free game. The first chapter has been free to download since it dropped. There's no excuse not to try it, even if you're not a fan of Undertale, even if you haven't played Undertale. Uh, even if you don't know what the hell we're talking about with any of this, <laughs> Shay and I 100% recommend giving this a shot. Yes. It's also not super difficult. So if you're if you're a novice gamer, and I know that some of the people that listen to our podcast are not necessarily video gamers in general, give this one a shot. This has a full broken gaming stamp of approval. So yeah. Um, oh, you know what? Hey, Shay. Yeah, Dan. You want to play a game? Oh, Dan, I'm so glad you asked. Glue my back to a car and then fly my body through that car's windshield. I would love to play a game. R.I.P. Chester Bennington. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Huh. All right, that's going to... I'll I'll recover eventually. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Shay, in this episode, we are playing Share and Share Alike. Obviously, one of the big hallmarks of both of these games is the shared characters and a possibility, if not an actual sequel, according to Toby Fox, at least maybe a shared universe. So Mm -hmm. today, we will be talking about the different shared universes in some of our favorite video games or some that we don't like at all. Who knows? (laughs) So these are, for the most part, pretty big studios. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not really getting into any of the indie stuff today. This is almost exclusively AAA stuff because I've noticed a pattern. AAA studios love giving references to their other games, whether it's just yep. you know, a matter of advertising or what, they love doing this kind of shit. So, And as much as it pains me, we're not going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts. Oh, no. I know. Square added, just as, <laughs> as a taste of what we're going to be talking about, Square added a really underrated and, in the States, not at all popular video game series (laughs) into Kingdom Hearts. Sure. Called The World Ends With You. You ever hear of it? Uh, Yes. Yeah. So Yes, I have. The protagonist of that game shows up in one of the lesser 
Kingdom Hearts games, one of the the 17 that they've released over time. It was one of the handheld ones. The 93 remixes they did between 2 and 3. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I haven't mentioned it on the podcast, my first tattoo was a Kingdom Hearts one. So this is now what I'm saddled with. <laughs> Actual disappointment in the thing I've put on my body. But we're going to jump right into it. These are going to be open-ended questions. But as per usual, I'm more than happy to give you some hints along the way if need be. All right? Sure. So question number one. In an earlier episode of this very podcast, I discussed playing Control, an absolute mindfuck of a game, which happens to be the specialty of Remedy Entertainment Studios. The main game follows the protagonist as she infiltrates a government agency that's basically in charge of paranormal or otherworldly events. But in the DLC expansion, AWE, Remedy cross-pollinated by centering the storyline around what other in-studio franchise? Uh, oh boy. I only put this question first because we had talked about the game itself, and I think I mentioned it, but it was kind of in passing. I don't know. If, I, I see I, The game itself seemed a lot like, ha, not Half-Life. Portal. Okay. So, fuck it, I'll go with Portal. Okay, um... It is, unfortunately, Alan Wake. Ah, uh, we did talk about that. We did. Fuck. That's all right. Yeah. So, although you don't play as Wake in the DLC, uh, his story is the th- whole through line. Gotcha. And it even has the, the complete voiceover and visions from Wake, as well as classifying the setting of the first Alan Wake game, Bright Falls, as an altered world event, or AWE, for the purposes of this government uh, agency. Sure. Also, you get to see the voice actor throughout Control. He plays, like, the doctor that you, like... When when you end up playing it, you'll know who I'm talking about. But there are, like, these film strips that you watch of different experiments that are being done, and it's all live action. Oh, cool. That main actor that those are centered around is the voice of Alan Wake. So I thought that was a really cool nod. Nice. Up next, Naughty Dog Studios love their Easter eggs. There are several references to other studio franchises throughout Naughty Dog's multiple properties, usually in the form of collectible items, but one specific Easter egg may have actually hinted at a shared universe. In Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception, a newspaper article foreshadows the events of what other game? Um, it would be super cool if I could fucking remember any other game that Naughty Dogs is made. There's uh, Jack and Daxter. There's Crash Bandicoot. There's this other one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, do you want a hint? I'm happy to give you a I hint. Would, Dan, I would like to buy a hint, please. You got it. There's a TV series coming out very shortly. Based on this oh. game. Uh, shit. Uh... <laughs> would it help... If I told you what the newspaper article said. Uh, can't hurt. Okay. Because I know you haven't played this. Because we talked about the fact oh, that you okay. haven't played it. And I don't know okay. if you played any of the Uncharted games either. But Nope. <laughs> so the headline reads, Scientists are still struggling to understand deadly fungus. Oh, Last of Us. Yeah. It's the Last yeah, of Us. I actually, fuck, I actually did know that. Fuck me. <laughs> I've, I read about that Easter egg before. God damn it. Yeah, so right at the beginning of Uncharted 3, there's an easily missable newspaper sitting on the bar in the very first scene yeah. with that headline. So uh, the timelines don't totally work out to have it be a shared right. universe, but it's still a really cool nod toward it being a possibility. So, all right, yeah. that's one point. Next question. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. I saw houses of glass. People had metal in their heads waged war from a distance using things similar to megascopes and there were no horses everyone had their own flying ships instead these words were spoken by siri to Geralt in the witcher 3 wild hunt when describing worlds that she had visited while bouncing around dimensions what game was she describing uh i would like to buy a hint please sure cd project red which is the studio is only really known for this and one other game as in Witcher. Witcher and one other right. game. Um, see, you said it's called CD Project Red? Yeah. 
Yep, they made a whole lot of headlines earlier this year. Oh, uh, good or bad? Bad. Oh, Very bad. Oh, Cyberpunk. Yeah. yeah. Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> so, unfortunately for CD Projekt Red, the little Easter egg went a little too far for their taste because clearly being sick of being asked whether or not Geralt was going to show up in Cyberpunk in some capacity, game director Adam Badowski said in a 2018 interview with Polygon, quote, Oh, Jesus, I hate this question. We are not Kingdom Hearts. We are not joining universes. And I know that there are a lot of fans on the team that would like to have Siri in the game, but I'm against it totally still. So maybe should have done that, Adam. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Might have not made your launch a disaster. (laughs) Oh, boy, oh, boy. (laughs) All right. That's two points so far. Question number four. Half-Life 3 may never actually come out, but even if we ignore the VR-only Half-Life Alex, the world surrounding the Black Mesa Research Facility lives on. What other Valve software game series centering around Aperture Science have not so subtly hinted at their professional rivalry with Black Mesa? Is Aperture from Portal? Is the answer to this one Portal? (laughs) This one is Portal. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Fuck, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, I love when this happens because I got to bite my tongue and just hope that you get it right later on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, references to Black Mesa are sprinkled all throughout the Portal games, but my favorite, personally, is the lyric in Jonathan Colton's Still Alive, sung by computer antagonist GLaDOS over the game's final credits. And I'm not going to sing it, but <laughs> maybe you'll find someone else to help you. Maybe Black Mesa. That was a joke. Haha, fat chance. Anyway, <laughs> this cake is great. It's so delicious and moist. Oh. Should I sing it? I'll sing it. I don't care. No, no, that's okay. I don't need to hear that word again. <laughs> Which part? The, that very last one. It was fine. It's up so delicious. Oh, <laughs> are you? You? You're one of those people that don't oh, like that I word. I fucking hate that word. Oh, that's so fun. Okay, I'll remember that and never do it again. Sure. Wink, I believe wink. that. All right, so this is three points. You're already at your your average. Let's see if we can do a little bit better. Here we go. Last question for today. In the year 2000, Microsoft acquired Bungie Studios outright, making their yet-to-be-released Halo series Xbox exclusive. However, in 2017, Bungie announced that after they fulfilled their remaining contractual game release obligations, they would be splitting from Microsoft and becoming an independent studio once more. While developing Halo 3 ODST, they decided to foreshadow what they were already clearly working on with a poster. What game were they hinting at, Shay? I would like to buy a hint, please. Sure. I think I know the answer to this one, but I don't remember if Bungie made this game or not. Okay. So, on the poster, there is a large portrait of Earth and a small white ball close by. Does that sound like what you were thinking? It didn't help me. Because the next part of it, like the text that's on that poster, is literally the name of the game. <laughs> oh. Are there multiples in this foreshadowed yes. game? Yes. Is it Destiny? It is Destiny. Fuck yes. Shay, that's four <laughs> points for today. <laughs> I'm going to read this directly from uh, svg.com. In the Mombasa streets level of Halo 3 ODST, there are several posters scattered around throughout featuring a large portrait of Earth and a small white ball close by, along with the text that reads, Destiny Awaits. When ODST was released in 2009, the small white ball may have been presumed to be Earth's moon. Now that we know Bungie's future IP was indeed called Destiny, we know more about that game it's clear that the white circle in the photo is actually Destiny's Traveler. Well, Shay, I'm happy to report. That's four points for today. I feel real Four out of five is a fantastic, (laughs) fantastic uh, score. And do you know what that means? I I fucking hope I do, Dan. Cue that sound effect. Where you're sitting, I've been told, there should be a pair of jeans right nearby. 
Uh-huh. I'm gonna check the pockets of those jeans. I have gotten my 75 point chip. In addition to a Hollow Knight grub in a jar keychain. It spins, Shay. It spins? Yeah. Oh, it fucking does. Ah, oh, dope. And we'll put the picture of that keychain up on the Twitter and Instagram. Congratulations, Shay. That's 75 points you've made it to. Hey, thank you. It's an honor to just be competing. <laughs> <laughs> you've meddled in the <laughs> 2021, but not really because 2020, whatever, uh, BNG <laughs> games. Right on. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm happy you like it. Well, that's going to do it for us this episode. As always, if you want to follow us, you can find us at BNGPod on both Twitter and Instagram, where we post on our Twitter different sales that are going on, which we call cheap codes. And on our Instagram, we make these fun little title cards for each episode. Dan uh, does. Which you don't I have get... nothing to do with it. Yeah, but, you know, I, I want to just share the wealth <laughs> here. But... <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so we make a title card for each episode. You might not be able to see it, depending on what platform you're listening to. The show on, Spotify shows it, because they have their shit together. If you want to share the show, you can do so using our hosting site, which is anchor.fm slash bngpod. And we drop this every so often. If you want to email us, you can do so with any sort of questions or, or suggestions. We did get a suggestion recently for a game that we are going to try to get to called Detention, which I had never heard of before, and it looks very, very interesting. So we're going to try to fit that in the schedule somewhere, but that email address is brokeengamingpod at gmail.com. Finally, if you're in the mood, uh, drop us a review. We love love eating stars, like Kirby presumably does. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. That works. (laughs) Um, and I know that, you know, we're all trying to sit, stay safe and we're, we're not, you know, going out in public as much as we are. We're doing a lot of shopping online, but there are still electronic stores out there. And oh, oftentimes Jesus. those stores will have phones on display. And I'm not saying no. totally do this, but if you wanted to, you could just go up to those display phones. And if they have internet access, maybe just subscribe to the podcast there. Oh my God. But make sure you set it for automatic download. If you're going to do that, not saying to do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Hey, Shay, what are we playing next time? Uh, next time, Dan will be playing Inside. So make sure you join us for that. But until then, goodbye, absolutely everyone. Goodbye. Don't commit crimes. <laughs> <laughs>